So ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another Q&A. The questions are about to pop up here. Before we get into today's video, can I request that you go ahead and you smash the like button. We're trying to get to 300,000 subscribers this year. And we're on pretty good pace. We're not quite there yet. I think we're uh, using Strides, which is my habit slash goal tracking app. Uh, I think we're projected at 215,000 subscribers. So still a little way to go. We're making good pace, but um, yeah, if you could smash that like button, that'd be greatly, greatly appreciated. Now, other thing, if you want to have your question answered, I always mix the two up, but if you wanna have your question answered next week, all you have to do, and this is super, super important, is you gotta make sure that you have, turn on post notifications and turn on all post notifications. And somewhere within Thursday, some random time in Thursday, I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna post the questions. now. This last Thursday, at the time of recording, this is actually Monday. Yeah, I think it's Monday today. Uh, and I posted the questions on Thursday. I actually wanted to do it on Thursday night, but there was this weird thing where I literally like three times on Thursday, I posted uh, the question, the Q&A thing, and I was getting like 100 likes on the post, but I was getting no actual comments. Turns out YouTube held every single comment for review. I'm not entirely sure why. So I apologize if you guys had to ask a question a couple times, uh, but learn from that mistake. So uh, yeah, it won't happen again. So. Let's get straight into it. So the first question is how to read one book a week. And the simple answer is you allocate time to do so. I think, you know, I have Kindle in every single book. It tells me the average time it takes uh, to finish that book for the average reader. I read a little bit quicker than the, uh, you know, than the average reader. So most books, it's anywhere from like five hours to 10 hours on average. So if you think about like a book that's five hours, okay, awesome. You know that you have to read on average, I think, well, that's what, like four hours, uh, 45 minutes every day. If it's a book that's 10 hours, okay, on average, you're gonna have to read maybe like an hour and a half. Now, a couple ways to speed things up and keep in mind guys, I've read probably 300 plus, no, I'd say probably around like 250 plus books at this point. Um, the thing that you need to remember and the thing that matters the most is you don't need to complete the book and you don't need to like, have a, and this is something that like, I felt so much guilt about when I first started reading was like, I had to read every single page. Now what I do prior to reading a book is I go online and I look for book, the book summary. So that way I can already focus and I can have a, a clear roadmap of what I'm gonna get from that book and which parts I, sh I should probably, you know, speed read and which parts I should really focus on. And that gives me sort of clear direction. And I also just mentally really quick set intentions of what I want from that book between reading uh, summaries of the book. And here's the thing, it's not like we're reading fiction books, so it doesn't matter if it, it kind of spoils what's, what you're gonna learn later in the book, because this is, this is for the purpose of education, or at least the way that I read. Between reading the summaries, as well as setting intention going into the book, my reticular activation, my selective focus, will know which pieces to pick out. So that is how I read one book a week. It's, first of all, I just set aside 45 minutes an hour every single day to read. And I do that at the end of the day. Most of the time I actually read before bed. For some people reading nonfiction before bed gets their mind working on overdrive and they can't sleep. For me, I could literally read, uh, right now I'm reading uh, Ray Dalio, The Big Debt Crisis. I could read that book before bed uh, for 45 minutes and you know, 15 minutes prior to the time that I'm meant to fall asleep, I, like I'm, I'm tired, I'm dead. So obviously just setting the right amount of time weekly to do that, as well as reading the summaries and knowing that it's fine. There are parts of the book that you can kind of skim read and, and read ahead. And the last thing is it's okay to put a book down and not finish it. I said, this is something I had so much guilt about, but there was a really bad book I read uh, last week that was just honestly horrendous. Uh, and what I did was I just skim uh, read the rest of it because within the first 15% of reading that book, it was quite clear that the author, I'm not gonna, 
I'm not gonna say the author's name. And by the way, they were in the realm of digital marketing. So I'm not gonna, as I said, mention their name. Uh, you know, I saw one of their ads and I never, I never ever get any of these like free plus shipping books because they're always just like, it's always just pure crap. Uh, but this one time, his sale, like the, his sales page and long form copy and all the experts that uh, vouch for it, like it was incredible. So I got the book uh, on Kindle actually. And um, yeah, quite clearly, as someone who knows a thing or two about digital marketing, as a, it, was, it was just a horrendous book. It was, it was terrible, overpromised in every single way. But anyways, long story short, a book like that, I read the first 15%, realized it was gonna be totally crap. And then from there, skim read the rest. So just realize that like, you starting a book doesn't mean that you have to read every page word by word. And it doesn't even mean that you need to finish the book. That's the other thing that I used to have a lot of guilt about. These days, uh, if, I, if a book is really terrible, I will skim read the rest of it. Uh, I pretty much always finish a book, but don't feel any guilt around it because as I said, ladies and gentlemen, if you're reading the way I'm reading, it is for educational purposes. And if you're not getting anything, anything out of the book, that's fine, move on to the next one. Next question is scenario. You just moved to a new place. What is the best way to meet, meet like-minded people? Guys, this is a very, very easy uh, thing to figure out. It's like, where, like, first of all, in the same way you have a, a client avatar, or you might, I would hope that a lot of you guys have a relationship avatar, like you know what your, or at least, because everyone thinks they know what their uh, ideal partner is, but you have this idea and just kind of from, you know, uh, people you might have dated in the past uh, or relationships or this, that, you kind of have an idea of like, okay, this is what I want in a person or this is what I want in a friend or this is what I want in a client. Like think about, as I said, who who do you want your friend to be and what sort of places do they frequent? Or I think it might be pronounced like frequent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so for me, that is one of the big reasons that I live in Chelsea in London, because like the type of person that I'm friends with lives in Chelsea, like the sort of dress sense I like, people kind of dress like that in Chelsea. The type of girls that I like usually dress like the girls in Chelsea and are from the sort of countries that I like today. You know, like this is just a perfect example. So when you've moved to a new place and you're looking to meet like-minded people, very, very simple. Just ask yourself, where do these people go usually? A good place to start for any sort of digital marketing creative industry, actually just a good place to meet people in general is a Soho House. You do need to get accepted, but get a Soho House membership and that should start you along your path. I personally don't have one. I spend a lot of time in Soho House because I have clients and old clients that have memberships there. For me in London, it's just not really worth it. I don't have one within 20 minutes of my house. There's other private members clubs that you can go to that once again, will probably have your ideal sort of person. There are restaurants that you can go to and they will, restaurants or cafes or even uh, workspaces that once again, will have these sort of people that you wanna meet. I'd say the easiest places to start without getting like too nuanced because you can really get uh, quite granular with this. Like for example, I know to a T my ideal person and I know the restaurants they go to. I know the area that they live in. Like, and those are all the places that I go to. Like I like meeting people who have the same sort of outlook on life as me in general. So long story short, anyways, the easiest places to start is uh, private members clubs. If you can join one of those, very, very easy place to meet people as well as like, because there's a certain buy-in and I think, I think Soho House is like 80 pounds a month. It's like, okay, I don't want to be insensitive, but for me, that's like super, super cheap. Plus you can business expense it as kind of like a workspace. And as I said, because there's a certain buy-in, like a person is spending a certain amount to be a part of that club, and then it kind of almost breaks the ice in a lot of senses. So I would say the easiest place is private members clubs, are workspaces. You can meet a lot of cool people in workspaces. And, and between those three, honestly, you should be able to meet the sort of people that you want to meet. And the last thing is social media. Like if you have moved to a new place, it's very, very easy to connect with people via social media. That said, you need to come across as someone who is worthy of meeting as, as tough as that sounds. Like if your Instagram profile picture, your Facebook profile picture is a cat, realistically, you're not gonna be the type of person that someone wants to meet. So anyways, I hope that makes sense. As I said, I can go 
into detail and detail. Like I've basically optimized my entire life and my entire social life around meeting these sort of super high net worth dudes that I wanna meet, meeting the sort of women that I like and the sort of women that I'm into, and just all in all having the sort of social life that I wanna have. So yeah, that could be a four hour video in of itself. The sort of private members clubs I go to, the sort of restaurants I go to, the sort of clubs I go to, the sort of social circles I move in, et cetera, et cetera. But Hopefully that should get you started. Do you ask your clients to approve all ads before posting them? It's hard to maintain non-annoying communications if ads flop and you need to ask for approval before every new copy. Any tips? Yes, 100% you need to get client approval before a piece of copy. What we like to do is we just like to get a bunch of copy like every single, like every two weeks or every month, Kieran will write a bunch of new copy for a client for both cold and retargeting. Uh, and sort of different contingencies within retargeting. And yeah, the client approves it. And if one flops, then we might make a little tweak, you know, maybe just a, a little tweak and we, uh, we might not ask them. And I'm talking like one sentence type thing. Uh, but if it flops, then we'll move on to another piece of uh, client copy. And once again, because we batch them, they can just go through and just little, uh, make little amendments on Google Docs of what they like and don't like. The point is, guys, that's someone's business. It's someone's brand. Uh, 100% they should have a say as to what is how their brand is being represented. Um, so yes, every piece of client ad copy should be approved, but it, it's, it's really not that big of an issue. As I said, just once every two weeks or one month, batch a bunch of ad copy, get your client to approve it, and there you go. Just that's your ammunition to work with. Hi, Iman, how do you invoice ROAS-based clients? So uh, if you want the full step-by-step -step, as well as a contract for a base plus percentage of ROAS, just go to the resources section of Agency Incubator and uh, for the actual uh, logistics of it, I think it's week three. But very quickly, just to answer your question, uh, percentage of ROAS, you need to have their card on file. You should have their card on file no matter what, and you should be auto billing clients, okay? So for us, the way that, like, let's say we have a client there, we're charging 2,500 pounds a month plus 20% uh, return on ad spend and it's an info product business. And let's say hypothetically we make that climb $30,000 after ads. So let's say hypothetically we spend uh, $20,000, we make them $50,000 and obviously that profit there after ads is $30,000. At the beginning of the month, like literally when they sign, they will pay that $2,500 and that will be recurring, you know, every 30 days. And then at the end of the month or technically the end of the 30 day period. So let's say they sign on the 15th of this month uh, and they pay the invoice, which is the monthly retainer fee. Then on the 15th of next month, they pay their next upcoming months a uh, retainer fee but then for the last 30 days that is where you take your percentage of ROAS. Now one thing that's super super important that you do is you make sure that there's no double purchases uh, or sometimes someone can refresh a thank you page like five times and for some reason Facebook isn't always 100% correct with their tracking so um, obviously the purchase conversion value is higher than technically it should. So for us, it's super important that we're doing that. As I said, just go to week six of Agency Incubator, which is the service delivery week of it. Uh, as I said, just to make sure that the attribution and the tracking is all correct because you don't want to over attribute and then your client is paying you extra money that you didn't actually make them. So as I said, hypothetically, let's say we spent $20,000, we made them $50,000, that's $30,000 after checking the attribution once again, just to say hypothetically, like 5,000 of that was uh, double purchases and, and was someone like basically smashing the thank you page. And once again, that shouldn't throw off Facebook's tracking, but sometimes it happens and we, we want to be 100% sure with our clients. So now rather than making them 30,000 return on ad spend, let's just say hypothetically, you make them $25,000 return on ad spend. As an agency, what we'll do is we will go through a loom and go through all of that, how much was spent, how much was made, whether there was any double purchases. And also that builds a lot of trust with the client. And the sh it shows the client that you're being honest, you're being ethical. If there are purchases that you shouldn't get attributed, that you're minusing those and you're deducting those. And let's say after double purchases, you're left with $25,000 in return on ad spend. That. From there, we just bill them 20% of that, which is $5,000. And once again, we send the loom just so they can see exactly why they're getting billed. 
and then we bill them uh, with their card on file. Very, very simple. If you have any other questions, as I said, just resort to agency incubator or ask in the group uh, or one of the live Q&A calls. What makes you keep going after reaching a certain level of financial comfort? What motivates you intrinsically to keep signing new clients? I found myself becoming lazy with outreach after signing two clients and having a certain financial cushion. Number one is I do my, still to this day, I do my SBA uh, worksheet. And as I said, anyone in agency incubator, uh, you know, like, the SBA worksheet is one of the things that really just changes everything for people in agency incubator. So to this day, I still wake up and I do my SBA worksheet first thing in the morning. And as I said, that really dials in my, my identity, what I expect for myself as a person, as well as the external results I get. Um, but to answer your question, uh, first things first, as you build a team, you will find so much enjoyment in building a team. Even if a team is literally just like you and a contractor, like having that company culture, even though it's a small team of two, uh, having that company culture and having that person who you guys can drive each other forward, it's genuinely the most fulfilling thing about having an agency, in my opinion. So first things first, whether I'm feeling up or down, my team always motivates me and we motivate each other and we have this common uh, sense of mission and this this company culture that, as I said, we're an incredibly small team, especially for my agency, it's technically just me, Danny and Kieran. But honestly, I just can't explain how much energy that puts into you. The next thing is you have to find a love for the game because you're right. Uh, I'm at a point in my life where like money, I, I have no use for it anymore. It doesn't even bring me enjoyment, like things like, and I really started to have to reassess things that I did in my life. Uh, for example, 2019, I flew first class and business class everywhere because in my mind, I'm like, I am a person who makes X amount of money. So I should be flying in a freaking Emirates suite. Like that is my normal life. And then, you know, reassessing things in 2019, I'm like, just because you can doesn't mean you should. So I kind of scaled back some of my expenses, even though with the amount of money I was making, it was totally feasible. But I objectively looked at things and I was like, what makes me happy and fulfilled? And like, I, most of the time when I'm on a plane, I'm reading anyways. Like for me, it's such a great opportunity to read an entire book in one sitting. So it doesn't matter whether I'm like flying in a flat bed with interruptions when they come in and they, and they offer you caviar for your 12th meal of the 10 hour flight. As funny as it sounds, I'd rather just be on the window seat with my hood up, reading for 10 to 12 hours and that's it. And kind of other areas in my life too, like I've never had a car, but the idea of having a Ferrari, like I've been in Cape Town for four months, like, like even if I had a Ferrari and I've made enough in the space of 24 hours to buy a Lamborghini, a Ferrari, a roll, pretty much any car cash in 24 hours before. So I'm at a point in my life where like that doesn't motivate me. I, I, I'm even at a point in my life where I know that I'm so, it's so far past being motivation for money where like there's not even a real watch that I wanna get. Like there's one or two that I'm looking at and I'm like, they would be nice to have in my collection. But even at this point, like there's not even a watch. And as many of you guys know, I have a watch collection worth 400, 450, taking as little with the way the whole market's gone recently, but worth around like $400,000. Getting a new watch doesn't even motivate me. So this is a really long winded explanation to go. And by the way, it doesn't matter whether you're at a point where you're making $5,000 a month or $500,000 a month. Like you will go through periods where you will have to learn how to motivate yourself because you feel as though you're at a good place in life. This is what you need to change your mindset to. You need to find a love for the game. You need to find something within having an agency that you have a love for. Like for me, I'm not inherently passionate about having a agency, a service-based business. My love of the game comes from getting as close to productizing my agency as humanly possible. My love for the game comes from building a team and getting incredible client results. 
My love for the game comes from systems and processes and streamlining things. As many of you guys know, like my whole philosophy is thinking in systems and streamlining and building systems and stress testing. Like, like that's where I'm a scientist in a lab and I'm like a little nerd. So all I can say is you need to wake up and you need to find a love for the game. That is truly my best piece of advice is finding a part of the agency that you have a love for, whether that be outreach, whether your thing be service delivery, whether your thing is like, I am adamant and my mission is to have the best client service possible for my agency. Maybe you just are a great people person and you have made it your mission that when someone comes to your agency, they have the best possible experience as a client. Whatever it is, as I said, find your love for the game because truly you transcend to another level when money doesn't really have any use for you and you just do it for a love for the game. One thing I will say is at two clients, you're probably making what, like anywhere from $4,000 to $8,000 a month, I'm assuming, potentially more, potentially, but it's unlikely that you're charging less than $1,500 a month. Dude, you're still dead broke. Like I, like, even at the stage I'm at right now, like I don't think I'm even rich. Like I don't even think I'm wealthy. Like until I make 500K a month profit, like I don't even think I'm rich. <laughs> so that's the other thing that I would hope lights a fire under your ass is like, like, dude, you should have a beautiful watch on your wrist if that's how you uh, wish to spend your money. You should have a beautiful car. Like that's like, it's something that's never enticed me, but like you should have an incredible car. You should be able to retire your mom. Like, like my mom is fully retired, guaranteed, hands down, never has to work a day in her life. Like that's a, a full stop guaranteed. Like she can just fully live off what I've been able to provide for her. Like, there's, there's no question anymore. My mom is retired. It should piss you off that you can't donate to your church or you can't take your girlfriend to any restaurant. Like I remember the embarrassment of when I was 15, 16 and my, you know, my ex-girlfriend, the first uh, girlfriend I ever had, I was in that relationship for two years. And like she, if we ate out, she would pay for it because I couldn't afford it. And I made sure that there was never a point in my life where I was in a relationship again, that I couldn't take my girlfriend to literally the most expensive restaurants on earth, where I could get to a point in my life where I don't look at the price. Like I genuinely don't look at the price when I go to restaurants anymore. Like I, it's not even a concept to me. So, so that's the other thing I should say is, you know, maybe once you're at 20, 30, 40, 50 K a month, like you got a transition uh, to finding a love for the game, but where you're at right now, dude, like to be very honest, you're broke. Like I'm not broke, but I don't even think I'm rich. So I have $500,000 a month in cash profit. Do I need a marketing degree to run SMA, bro? John, uh, you of all people should know that. Uh, this is John Gab. Uh, I, I think he was actually the first person I ever did a student interview with. So check him out, but he's doing around $10,000 a month. With his agency, he's one of my students. I'm extremely proud of him. So um, John, you of all people should know that. <laughs> is SMA too good to be true? My parents said I couldn't do it because they think it's too good to be true. One thing I, I that I find funny about SMA is I think a lot of people glorify it as like this, like the secret hack business. Like guys, it's just a service-based business. Like it is the most unsexy business on earth. It's almost as unsexy as having an accounting firm. All it is, is you provide a service to another business. The amount of value you provide is in far excess of your service fee and you just charge clients monthly. Like it's, it's really the most unsexy business model on earth. I think people have just like built this weird image of it as like the sexy, like underground bit, like guys, boring, it's unsexy, but it's tried, it's tested and it's proven. As I said, having an agency is literally just the same as having an accounting firm, having an architectural firm, just it, you're providing a service for a fee. Your service is worth more than that fee. It's really not very sexy, but it works. Few people ask this, but are you currently happy? I hope the answer is yes. Much love from Spain. Dude, that is a amazing, amazing question. And um, yeah, especially right now, like I am in a very happy healing place. Um, anyone that knows me personally knows that well, I'm recording this what? Uh, just basically towards the end of March. Um, ever since November, like basically the past six months have been uh, very, very tough for me. Uh, the past six months has been a lot of avoiding 
spiteful moves. The last six months has been a lot of uh, a lot of pain personally from uh, having to cut out certain people in my life uh, that I genuinely like considered family. The past six months, the amount of spiteful moves I've had thrown my way and the amount of like backstabbing and um, just break of loyalty and trust. Um, the past six months, to be very honest, have been very, very tough for me uh, emotionally. Uh, Business-wise, things are going great. Um, but yeah, you know, just just in general, like the past the past six months um, has been very very tough for me emotionally, um, and it's something I've had to heal from. You know, there's definitely wounds from the past six months. Yeah, you know, um, somewhere around November, I experienced uh, burnout, and then it just got worse as the month went on. And uh, you know, in a space of uh, six weeks, there was the agency incubator launch, which I'm sure many of you guys remember was just like nothing had ever been done in, in marketing history like that, where like online and offline, we owned the digital marketing space for a week or two weeks. I mean, it was just nuts, that launch. To obviously the grow agency party, which once again, like there had never been a party for students or a community to that extent. Like I spent $25,000 on that party. And by the way, some people will throw a great free event, but that's just to upsell onto some other shit. I threw that party for my students and there was no upsell. The only thing that we sold at that event was the Gadget clothing line and all that money went to charity anyways. And then I went from that to, uh, you know, the pre-launch and the prep for the Gadget clothing line. And then I had the actual Gadget clothing line launch. I had the launch party for that and like, I had four days and within the space of four or five days, I had to move all of my shit out of my house because uh, I ended the lease on my place in London. And then I went to Nepal and I mean, spending 10 days there was the most gratifying thing ever. But uh, myself and the rest of the team, we were all experiencing proper burnout. And then, yeah, from there, like December, January, uh, it, it was definitely a lot of like my world shattering in a lot of ways. As I said, um, I don't really have any family. Um, me and my mom, that that's literally all I have in this life. Um, so for me, you know, my close friends are, are my family. Um, and yeah, you know, I, I definitely had some things I went through that there, there were some things I went through and some things I found out um, about people's intentions and character traits and this and that, that definitely shook my world. and. Uh, you know, made me reevaluate a lot of things, made me lose faith in, in people in general for a little bit. But you know, that whole situation was a outlier and you know, I'm so incredibly blessed to have so many incredible people in my life. 2020 has been a good year so far. It's been a year of at least the past like six weeks, a lot of healing. I actually, uh, I think six weeks ago, went through a breakup. I mean, I share pretty much everything with you guys, but for the most part, I like to keep my romantic life just kind of separate. So six weeks ago, I went through a breakup and um, and it's actually one of my most highly, highly requested videos. And it's one of those things I never talk about as I said, just because like I, you know, I will tell you guys about every aspect of my life, but the whole relationships and this and that, I guess because technically it's it's been publicly aware that the only two relationships I've ever had in my life, both like two years long. Uh, yeah, just in general, it's something that I've never talked about, but like I get some very, very emotional messages of people going through breakups. And like, I remember my first breakup, genuinely, I've never been through so much darkness in my life. Uh, so I'm gonna make a full video on that. But just to summarize this, this past six weeks, it's just been a lot of healing. I'm just like smiling again and, and super happy. And like the little things are just putting joy in my life. And um, yeah, I'm in a really good, like really, really good healing place. Even just little things, like I've always had a great relationship with my mother, but just in general, I'm horrible at communication. Like some of my best friends will message me. I will respond back for three days. Cause like I'm busy and I don't like to be on my phone. Cause it, you know, when I'm on my phone, I'm getting that dopamine rush from it. You know, I have to snap out of it and go, look, like this thing is not good for your health or your focus, et cetera, et cetera. But anyways, long story short, even just like with my mom, like in London, I see her once a week. Uh, we have like a Friday a coffee. That's kind of like tradition. But 
uh, especially while I'm out here in Cape Town, I've made it a priority to call her for 30 minutes every single day, which to me with my sort of schedule and stuff and just kind of the way I am with people, like I can not talk to one of my best friends for like three months or six months. And then we meet because we both been busy and it's like, you know, like I, I kind of had that relationship with my friends. So yeah, you know, to call my mom for 30 minutes every day, like for me is just an incredible thing. And just just in a lot of ways, I'm, uh, I'm in a really good healing spot. Um, so to answer your question, yes, I am happy. Uh, the past six months has been uh, very weird, very tumultuous. Um, but hey, as I said, I'm in a really, really good uh, healing spot right now. I'm in a really happy, healthy place. What camera slash lens do you film with amazing content? Uh, right now it is the uh, Sony a7 III, which is actually Pete's and my 16 to 35 F2. And then here we have my a7R3. This lens is Pete, this camera's uh, mine, and then that lens is mine, and that camera's Pete is Pete's. But anyways, uh, most of the time it's always a7 III, a7R3, and usually it's a 16 to 35 if we want more of like a wide angle look like this sometimes. Uh, if we want a little more uh, portrait, it's a uh, 24 to 70 f 2.8. And then I also have a 85 mil f 1.4. So that's pretty much what we shoot with. Uh, in terms of photos, most of the time we're taking photos on this Contax T3 uh, or my Leica N6. Also just got a medium format camera. There's that Nikon there. Like we shoot with a bunch of different stuff, but for video stuff, it's pretty much the a7 III or the a7R3 and the 16 to 35 f 2.8 or the 24 to 70 f 2.8 g master lenses what do you think about people who got one client and start doing consultation calls or launch a course giving fake advice that never works uh and also they show results of only one client in which they luckily got 10 roas every time question is how to qualify legit people uh that's a great question in my opinion um so in law technically the way things should go is uh, innocent till proven guilty i believe in um, the space of online education, it should be guilty until proven innocent. Um, that's why, like, to be honest, I, I make it a like everything I've ever done ever is documented. Like I will even mention clients that I worked with three years ago. And it's like, like I'll mention Knightsbridge Dental Care that I worked with in 2017, bleeding into 2018. And then four months ago, Marie wanted to sit down with me and interview me in the clinic. I have photo, video, screenshot, like I have evidence of every single client I've ever worked with full stop. I, I'm on a lot of my clients' podcasts because I work with a lot of info products where we will talk about them being a client and them paying me monthly. I have actual videos where I sit down with a client and I'm like, why? Like point blank in their, in their office where you can see 20 of their employees working in the background. I'm like, why do you pay our agency as much as you could hire two full-time employees? So, you know, for me, I think um, in our space, it should be guilty until proven innocent. And I think you should go in that frame. So I think, you know, how do you qualify if people are legit? I mean, honestly, I just think you should have enough intuition and also just go on gut feeling. Like I'm at a point in my life where I can look someone dead in the eye and I know for a fact whether they're full of shit or not. And I guess that just comes from having a very harsh childhood and some just pretty shit things happened to me in my life that I have learned how and how not to trust people. Sometimes I get it wrong as it was proven in, in 2019, but hey ho. So, so that kind of answers the question about how should you qualify people. One thing that I wanna put my hands up and say, like I remember in October of 2017, which is when I first started offering some sort of coaching calls, I had built an agency up to $15,000 a month pretty consistently as a creative agency. I was filming content, I was editing it, I was posting it up, working with clients like Zebra Fuel, Furo Systems, Belgravia Garage, Knightsbridge Dental Care, Athlete, like the list goes on and on. And they were, you know, these are some pretty high profile clients. So I had built an agency that was doing $15,000 a month, but I was at a point in my agency where I was transitioning into learning Facebook ads and having a 
paid traffic agency. Yet when people were asking me for coaching calls, I would help them build their agency with all the lead sourcing, the sales, the operational side of things that I'd learned. But I was very weak when it came to the area of Facebook advertising, yet I would still take on coaching calls. So, so the reason I want to say this is because like, because I want to hold my hands up and say that I genuinely believe I started teaching Facebook ads when I wasn't competent enough to do so. And I fell into that trap and that allure of like, oh, someone is willing to pay me at that time, what, a hundred dollars an hour. Okay, fine. I'll take it on. Even when I launched six figure SMA and the results that came out of that program were just shocking. The amount of success stories that we had in that program yet the service delivery aspect of six figures me was weak because I, you know, I, in my opinion, I still wasn't an expert in the realm of paid traffic. In fact, at the time that I made that program, I was halfway through transitioning from having a creative agency to a full blown paid traffic agency. So I want to hold my hands up and say that in the past, I have talked things that I don't think I was a hundred percent competent in teaching. And that's why I learned my lesson after that agency incubator. That program is so airtight and there isn't a single person on earth who can teach the things that I teach in agency incubator because Quite frankly, 99% of gurus don't even have an agency anymore or 50% of gurus never even had an agency or they had one client. The other 40% uh, just don't even have an agency anymore. So what they learned two years ago just isn't really applicable. And the last 10%, they work with little cute, like 1500, 2K a month clients. They're, they're, their students literally make more money than them with their agency. So so yeah, that's why Agency Incubator, like that program is so irritating because there's no one else out there that's teaching that has the experience of working with clients that we've worked with and the caliber of clients that we've worked with. And I also learned my lesson by teaching things that I wasn't 100% confident. For example, things like LinkedIn, especially in the past few weeks, I've been learning a lot more about automation and how to actually generate leads using LinkedIn, but I don't teach it because that's not really my area of competence. And I have learned to never teach something that I don't physically do myself because it's going to come across and it's going to be so obvious in the way you teach it. So this is a very long winded answer to say that um, what's my opinion on it? Uh, I can understand it because I've fallen for that trap before where someone wants to learn something from me. I have a decent experience with it, but you know, not full competence. And I've just crumbled and fell into teaching areas that weren't in my area of competence or expertise. And you know, I've learned from my lesson, you know, so anyone that's, you know, starting to coach people after, you know, signing one or two clients, because as I said, I had an agency that was doing 10 to $15,000 a month when I was coaching people. So I had a real solid experience. I guess I just made it the mistake of when someone was wanting to learn, okay, maybe Facebook ads for me. And it wasn't an area of competence for me at that point that I kind of fell into that trap of teaching it. So yeah, that's kind of my opinion. The other thing that I would say is guys, having an education company, or at least the way that I run things is nowhere near as profitable as uh, people make it seem. My education company has margins of anywhere from 25 to 35%. Like I have four full-time staff for growagency.com. Currently I spend around a thousand pounds a day on ads. There were times in 2019 where I was spending four or 5,000 pounds a day on paid traffic. I have countless service providers. I have a lot of uh, research and developments. Like I have a lot of stuff that I test so that way I could teach to the grow agency community. Even just things like having to buy camera equipment to make my programs the highest quality they can be. This setup right here is 5,000 pounds. There's another 5,000 pounds setup right there. Yes, technically this doesn't have a direct effect on the program, but like even things like this, this is for my personal brand, for content, for the education. Like if I just had an agency, I wouldn't need to have really cool, amazing photos uh, for ads and marketing. That little thing right there is like two grand. My Leica is another like four grand. Even just things like my grow agency party, I spent $25,000 on that. Like, I guess if you run an education company the way that I run an education company, which is like, there is no expense that is spared just as long as the program is as good as it could humanly be. And other education companies are looking at us and wondering how are we getting such incredible student results, which is the case as it is now. As long as that happens for me, there is no uh, expense that is spared. So yeah, one thing that I wanna say is uh, having an education company, trust me, if, if you do it the right way and it's an actual education company, not just some like 
scummy course business or scummy coaching business. Like guys, it's really not as lucrative as people think it is. Also, the thing is uh, it's super, super stressful and it takes a lot of your time. Because imagine in my case, working with anywhere from six to 10 clients per month and you know, only having to deal with six to 10 clients per month or having to manage a thousand five hundred plus students, even just things like customer support, like it, that's a full-time job that we've hired. It's, it's a lot of work, guys. Like it's a lot of work. It's not as glamorous as people think. So ladies and gentlemen, this has been a longer Q&A, but I know most of you guys are stuck at home and you know you enjoy the entertainment and most of you guys like hearing about, um, once I start rambling, things come out and I start talking about things that I normally wouldn't. So I hope you guys enjoy this Q&A. As I said, if you want to get your question answered, turn on post notifications. It is so crucial because some random time on Thursday, I'm gonna be posting it and uh, I'm not too great at scrolling. So usually people in the first one to two hours, they're gonna be the questions that I'm picking. So go ahead, drop a like on this video. I appreciate it, all you guys and I'll see you in the next one.